Good morning, church. I am happy to be back here. I went to church here for 20 years and then uh, moved to Atlanta and joined a church out there. But I'm happy to be here. I'm glad that I got the text from Anthony to ask me to preach because, like my mother said, I did always want to do this, and so I'm happy to be still doing it. Um, The title of my sermon today is Giving Up. Not because I'm telling you to give up, but sometimes we need to give up because there are times when we want to take things into our own hands and because we think we know best. And so there are times that we need to understand that God knows best and we need to give it up to him. So I'm going to open up with one more word of prayer just to ask the Lord's presence here and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you again today, Lord. I pray that you... Bring your presence to this to this room, Lord. I pray that you play, put your hands over me, Lord, that these words be your words and not my words. I pray that we all listen, myself included, not only with our ears, but with our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So during the time of Jesus' first advent, the expectations of the Jewish leaders and consequently the people of Israel was that a Messiah would come, defeat the Roman Empire, and make Israel a great nation. Unfortunately for the Jewish leaders and the Messiah came, and when the Messiah came, Jesus brought a whole new and yet internal concept about the kingdom of God. All that humans have learned about power and kingdoms was now upside down. Jesus' teachings were clear that if we wanted to be part of his kingdoms, we need to follow his rules that go against all human understanding. Paul describes the things of God as foolishness as he writes, I know very well how foolish the message of the cross sounds to those who are on the road to destruction. But who are we, who are being saved, recognize the message as the very power of God. And as the scriptures say, I will destroy human wisdom and discard the most brilliant ideas. And that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Not only the message of God who became a man and died on the cross for our sins is foolishness in some of the human's minds, but his teachings as well. Some of Jesus' teachings were the opposite of human understanding. Human understanding. Listen to this uh, written by Leonard Sweet in his book, Jesus Drives Me Crazy. The way first is last. The way of success is service. The way of attainment is relinquishment. The way of strength is weakness. The way of security is vulnerability. The way of life is death. So sometimes it seems like we have all the teachings that God came to the earth to teach. We know all of it. It's right here in our Bibles. But still, even with all with these lists of guidelines, we still think that we know best. We still think that we wake up and, you know what, I know how I'm going to map out my day every single day, and this is exactly how I'm going to do it. But God, God gives us the guidelines. It, it's, and sometimes it seems when we read this book, I, in my personal life, it's like, this doesn't, this doesn't apply to me today. But it could apply to you tomorrow or the next day. Or previously, you could have been like, I wish I had some way of helping me get through this moment, and it was right there in the Bible. But we still, in our minds as humans, we all do it. We all think that we know best. It seems that in spite of his teachings, we still struggle to let go of the cinch of our lives. The idea of being in power is a big part of our lives. We are, we are human in many areas of our lives. We always try harder to keep it all under control. Don't we all do that? We all love to say that I handled it myself. I had no help in this. I woke up and I conquered the day myself with no help. But did you have help? If you really think about it, did you have help? Who woke you up that day? 
Who gave you the strength to get out of bed that day? Who gave you the strength when things got hard to keep pushing on? It wasn't yourself. If we don't lie to ourselves, we, we know who really gave us that strength to achieve all those things that day. We struggle for power in the workplace. We want so bad to keep moving up. We're like, hey, boss, look what I did. It's something that I'm struggling with now in my workplace. It's, it seems like I'm doing all the work, and I want to be recognized for it. I want, I want someone to look at me and be like, you know what? I appreciate you and all the things that you do. But is that what really matters? Work achievements, work, work raises. Now, those things are lovely. I mean, we all would want more money at work, right? But in, but in the end, there's a bigger goal that we're striving for. And this is just the road to that goal. We struggle for power financially. Like I said, we want more money. We're willing to do anything for money. We're willing to put ourselves above other people for more money. But like this says up here, we, strength, strength is invulnerability. We struggle emotionally. We want to keep it all together. We want people to look at us and be like, that person has it all together. That person has no problems. But behind closed doors, you have all the problems in the world that you're facing. And same, same way when you look at somebody else, they have problems too that they're struggling, and they're as big as your problems are to you. We struggle for power in, the, in church. We want so bad to come to church and say, I give the most in tithe. I dress the best. I'm at church every single week. I'm in Sabbath school every single week. Look at me, look at me. But who are we really supposed to be looking to? Are we, are we drawing people in the church to look at us? Or are we supposed to draw people in the church to look to God? Many times that grip comes in different forms of manifestations, such as frustration, greed, disappointment, anger, harsh words, and so on. I believe that one of the greatest struggles we, we Christians have to let, has today is to let go of the facts of life. The fact of life is we are Christians. Everybody out there is not Christian. It's our goal to bring them to Christianity. But we can't go out there and expect everyone to act like us. Because some of them don't know. Some of them don't know even what goes on in those, in front, inside those doors out there. So who are we to be like, you know what, I'm doing my best. And that's all I was told to do. No, one of the last things that Jesus said on earth was to go and teach. And sometimes we don't know everything either. That's why he gives us this book to go back and reference to. Our scripture reading today is the greatest advice we can find in the Bible about this subject as far as letting it go and understanding that God knows best. And Caleb read it perfectly. Thank you, Caleb. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Think for, think for a few seconds about a moment in your life where you took matters into your own hands and made all that was possible to have it done your own way. Do you have moments like that? Where you achieve something in your life and you're like, I did it my way. Nobody, nobody helped me, nobody gave me any advice, nobody counseled me on it, but I did it my way and I succeeded. It's hard to think back of a time if you truly think about it and say that I did it myself. In my own life, I have advised God. 
I have counseled God. I have given him instructions on how to work the things I need in my life. Telling him how I want things to be done. Um, when, when we moved to Atlanta, we, um, we struggled to find a church. We, we've had previous things happen in the past where it was like we were scared to join a new church just off the fly. And that's, that's normal. You know, going from one setting, personally for my life, going from a church where you were around the same people for 20 years and then you move to a whole different place you've never lived in and go and try to find a new church where you don't know anybody. It can be scary. And it was hard. It was hard to put yourself out there. Me, myself, I'm a very shy person. I'm a very introverted person. My wife, on the other hand, if you know my wife, you know she's not shy. Um, but it was hard finding a church. And so me and, me and Angelica thought that, you know what, we'll, we'll start our own thing. We'll, we'll make a church available for everyone. So we, start, we started a church, an online church, where she sang a couple songs, and then I gave like a light word of something that we learned throughout the week. And it was a good idea, and we were like, you know what, we're going to make church how we want church. And God had other plans. <laughs> it didn't work out. It, it just became too much. It just became, there's, there was those weeks where we didn't learn anything, or we thought we didn't learn anything. It was just a hard week, and we're like, now we have to go in front of these people, all these people who are watching, and be like, I love everything. <laughs> and that's not true. Um, so we just, if I'm being honest, we just stopped going to church. And it was probably the worst decision I've ever made in my entire life, to stop going to church. Because the church is the people. This building is just a building we can meet at. But you need, you need the people of the church to, when you're feeling down, to encourage you to keep going. Or maybe you're called to a church to encourage somebody. Amen. And that's what church is about. Church isn't about being here at 9 o'clock to go to Sabbath school. It's not ending church service exactly at 12 o'clock because somebody's going to rip your head off because they're hungry. That's not what it's about. It's about coming here and understanding that we're all trying to achieve this goal as to get to heaven. Every single last one of us. And we're all in, equipping each other with the knowledge and this, these words to go out and to bring people along. And so when we stopped, when we stopped going to church, it seems like everything just fell apart. Nothing was going right. We were struggling financially, emotionally, with, with power. We felt like nothing was in our control. And so, um, Angelica's T.O. was preaching at the Alpharetta Church, and he, he told um, our family, like, you know, you guys should come out, I'm preaching, blah, 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 blah. And so we went, and it was a, it was a lovely church. Those people there are, like, God is in that church for sure. And so when we went, we just went, you know, had a good time, had potluck, which is always good. Um, and so a few weeks later, we didn't, we didn't really go back to church, but we felt something moving. We felt something stir up inside of us that like, how, how amazing was that feeling to be in church surrounded by people who have the love of God in their heart? How amazing is that feeling? And so we finally decided to go back. And the moment we stepped in the doors, now this was three weeks prior, we stepped in the doors and people remembered our first names. Like, and I, and I just took that as a sign from God that like, I'm supposed to be here. You're supposed to be here. 
And so as, as a lot of you know, we moved our membership over there. And it is, it is amazing being back in church. Let me tell you, God, God knows exactly what he's doing. And the fact that some, like, and even myself, the fact that I can wake up some days and say, you know what, God, I got this one. The fact that I can wake up and say that for all the things that he's done in my life is crazy to me. It's crazy to me to think that I think any kind of thought that I know better than him. We take control of our lives and rely on our own understanding. But when we do that, we take away the sovereignty of God and having control over our lives. A quick, a quick look in the Bible, as you can find out, that God has always been in control over everything. The very first verse of Psalms 46 begins this. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Do you think that Moses was in despair when the people of Israel were cornered between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army? Do you think that Moses took time to advise God and tell him what to do? Of course not. Moses stayed still for he knew God. When he asked God who, who he should say, when he asked God who he should send, God sent him. God told him, I am who I am. Another great example of staying still is found in the life of David. As Saul was persecuting him, David has Saul's life in his hands twice, and both times he decided to spare the king. One time he said to Saul, May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. Be still and know that I am God. That was the attitude of Job also when he was when the whole world came tumbling down on him and he could not and he lost everything. He even came down with a terrible disease. I mean, this man went through everything you could possibly imagine, some things that we couldn't even imagine. However, one of his well-known phrases at the book, in Job chapter 19, verse 26, it says, And after my body has decayed, yet in my body I will see God. How many of us can say that? When we look at our lives and think of the worst time in our lives, how can we sit there in that moment when everything is going wrong and be like, I'm still looking to God? What is our mind going through? This is it. I give up. It's too much. I can't take it anymore. Now, we don't say, I can't take it anymore. I give it to you, God. We just say, I'm giving up. I can't take it. And we just let everything go. But Job, he says, yet in my body I will see God. That, that is amazing. In retrospective, I feel that God has never forsaken us. Just like the Red Sea, he waited at the last minute and, and was still. Brothers and sisters, I don't know exactly what you're going through in your life. But I can tell you this, we serve a God who is mighty. A God who is able to deliver us, though it may not be the way you expect, but it will be the best way you could ever desire. I encourage you to be still and let go of the control of your life. Even when things won't work out the way you want, remember the words of Paul. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. There are things in life that I wish I could go back and change. That's my, that's my initial first thought when I think back on those things. But now I know that it was the journey that God put me through. I know that he allows us to go through moments of where we need to be taught. 
because, like I said, we like to take control of our things. And God's like, God gives us free will, doesn't he? And so he's like, okay, go ahead. He's like, go ahead. If you know, if you know best, really, truly, take it. But he's always right there when we come back to him. When we know that we're wrong and we know that we messed up by thinking that we have it, he's like, come to me and I'll give you rest. That's something that, that's another thing that I've been going through myself is, is giving it all to God. And that's why, that's why I wrote this because I had a moment um, two weeks ago where I was in my work truck and it was the end of my day and I had pulled back into the, um, the warehouse and I was just sitting there. It's 97 degrees outside and I've been delivering packages in the heat all day. And my boss doesn't seem to think that the trucks need AC. Um, and I'm sitting there just pouring sweat. And I'm just like, is this really for me? Is this really what I want to be doing in my life? Is there something greater that I could be doing at this moment? And I just remember thinking, like, this, this is the moment where I'm going to take my life into my own hands and I'm going to do what I want to do. And as... I don't know if I told you this, Angelica, probably not. Um, but as I was walking out of the, the warehouse, I was stopped by one of the, um, he's the guy who like drives the carts to clean up all the, like the boxes and stuff. And he stopped and looked at me and um, he was like, hey, do you live around here? And I was like, yeah, I live in Marietta. And he's like, I'm actually looking for a church. Is there somewhere that you recommend? And I remember telling him there's a Marietta, and I told him that I was Adventist, and we got into a conversation about what that is, you know, the whole rigmarole of that. Um, and he was like, because he, initially he first came up to me, he's like, you know, I'm really busy on Sundays. And I was like, well, I got, I got the place for you then. Um, but I remember telling him there's a church in Marietta, Mar- Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church. I said, this is where the pastor of my church came from. But if you're willing to drive to Alpharetta, it's a little bit of a trek, but this is where I go to church. And I promise you, you will feel the love of God in this church. And in that moment, as I was walking out to my car, I started to cry because as my family knows, my mom knows, she raised me to be a very emotional person, as she is. Um, I started to cry. And um, I was like, I'm exactly where I need to be. God put me in this place for a reason. He opened up the doors for this job so easily. How could I deny that that was him? How could I deny that he isn't leading my path? How could I deny that he isn't the light under my feet? How could I? A lot of times the reason we want to hold on to things ourselves is because of fear. Fear of things being different. Fear of things not going the way that we want to. Fear of things changing. But I, there's this famous song. It's called Fear is Not My Future. And the song, every time I listen to the song, again, I cry. Let's all, you know. Um, and these are the lyrics of the song. This is the chorus of the song that gets me every single time. And, and I want you to apply this to you. Whatever, whatever your, you think that your future is right now, I want you to apply this to your life and think that this is not the end. It says, fear is not my future, you are. Fear is not my future, 
Sickness is not my story. You are. Heartbreak is not my home. You are. Death is not the end. You are. And as I listen to those words, I think back of all the times that it felt like I couldn't go on. And I felt like I was doing everything wrong. And I felt like this is going to be the end. This is where my life, I've done all that I can do. God says, this is not the end. You have nothing to fear because I, I, I got you in my hand. And the Bible says when you're in his hand, nothing can pluck you out of it. So as we leave today, I, wanna, I want all of us, even including me, to think back at the time or, or in the future times that we think that we have it, that we know what's best for us. We can think, I know someone who has it best. And we can share these words to other people because a lot of because people out there are they don't know like we do. They don't know that we have someone that we can turn to no matter what, and he always knows what's best. They think that this is it for them. They think that this is their future. And so we have we have these amazing words to tell them that that fear is not their future. God is their future if they if they will allow him to. God will help you in ways that you can't even imagine. In ways that you didn't even know that you had a problem, God will fix that problem before you even come to that problem. Amen. I was um, I was talking to a friend. I was actually talking to Sam the other day, um, and this friend of ours, he's kind of been hinting that he wants to get into church, or kind of hinting that he wants to talk about God. But then, when you talk to him about God, he makes it a joke. Um. But the other day I had a really good conversation with him. He was talking to me. He's like, he's like, you go through a lot. He's like, he's like, you wake up at 6.30 every single day. You have back pain and you work. And then you come in here still with a smile. He's like, how do you do it? And I was like, if I'm being completely honest, it is not me putting a smile on his face. <laughs> when I see people and I know that people need encouragement and people need love and people need happiness, God is the one who puts his smile on my face. Because you never know who's looking at you. You never know who's looking at you when you're down and you're somber and you have this just, this face on you that says, like, I can't do it anymore. There's, there could be someone looking at you right now that's saying, I need encouragement. And if you, have, if you allow God to put on the smile on your face and give it to him, they're going to be like, I want what that person has. This person is going through a lot, but I want what that person has, the strength to put a smile on their face and be happy and be joyous. Isn't that what we all want? We all want to be joyous and happy. Well, God is love. And love inherently makes us all happy, does it not? Whether that's when people cook for you, whether that's when people give you gifts, when people spend time with you, when people give you words of affirmation, whatever it is. Love inherently makes us happy. But worldly love makes us happy temporarily. Because then we're looking for the next way to feel that love. We're looking for the next way to fill that, fill that void of like, I need something. But God says, I have something way better for you. I have my love. And that's eternal. So as I close, I want us to remember that God has it for you. And as some, I'm sure you've probably seen it in like a Hobby Lobby or somewhere on Facebook. They say, let go and let God, right? But it's true. We need to let go. 
And that's, that's why the title of my sermon is Giving Up, because we need to give up. We need to give up on our own understanding and lead into his own understanding. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you again, Lord. We thank you for these words. We thank you to know that you are a God of love and that you are a God of understanding what's best for every single person. Not just, not just a wide span of like this will help everybody, but you know us individually and what we all need individually, Lord. I thank you for this moment to come back and be with the people that I grew up with and giving me these words and putting these words on my heart. Not only that it will help other people learn, but the things that you've taught me, Lord. I hope, I hope that we can learn, leave this church and understand that we give everything to you. And we understand that you will know what's best for us, even when it's scary. You know that nothing will harm us and that you won't give us more than we can take, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.